Hello there and welcome. I'm Cleanna Nianlun, producer of the RT Radio 1 Davis Now Lectures. The series entitled Engaging Spaces, first broadcast in 2002, explores the timely subject of the nature of space in our lives, how we occupy space and are engaged by it. Here from that series is the lecture The County Designation, Identity and Loyalty which assesses the longevity and importance of the county as the unit of space to which people in Ireland pay such continuing allegiance. The lecturer is Professor Desmond A. Gilmore of Trinity College, Dublin. The county looms large in the Irish sense of place. When asked about where they come from, people most commonly state their county of birth or of residence. For some Dublin residents, it's a combination of something like I come from Longford, but I live in Dublin. The attachment to county isn't uniformly strong. It tends to be least strong in the larger urban places, such as Belfast or Dublin. People there may see themselves as belonging more to the city rather than to the county. The county looms large in many aspects of everyday life. The county of residence is in many of our postal addresses. Consequently, it's in our telephone directory entries. As we travel the roads of Ireland, we're aware of the counties of registration of the cars we follow or meet. Many radio and television news items give locational reference by indicating the counties of happenings. Many travel and tourist accommodation guides and other books about Ireland are organised on a county basis. There are books about the history and other aspects of individual counties. Counties are shown on most maps of Ireland. While those of us who went to school in earlier decades may have learned the chief towns of all the counties, today the county towns are listed on Board Fulcher's website. Various competitions are on a county basis. A number of counties have County Person of the Year awards. Given all this, It may seem surprising that the county was not an indigenous Irish feature. It was, instead, an Anglo-Norman and British institution, imposed on Ireland in association with the gaining of control over the country. In some instances, however, there was an element of continuity where county delimitation was influenced by the pre-existing Gaelic chieftain territories, or Tuatha. This followed from the processes through which conquest occurred and lands were acquired. The O'Rourke lands became Leitrim and the McMahon lands became Monaghan. There was some continuity from the Desmond territory in South Kerry and from Thomond in Clare. And of course the provinces, which are comprised of sets of counties, derive from the ancient kingdoms of Ireland. Counties have quite a long history. The feudal system of shires and liberties, or what became counties, began soon after the Anglo-Norman invasion. This designation was first done around the invaders' main urban centres, so the bases of counties Dublin, Cork and Waterford had been established by about the year 1200. Over the following century, the counties of much of the east and south of the country were formed. Sometimes the process occurred in stages, with larger territories being later subdivided, as they had proved to be too big. So, much of Munster and Connacht were originally shires, 
which later were divided into smaller county units. Much of the present county delimitation in Connacht and Ulster occurred only in the latter half of the 16th century. Offaly and Leash, originally King's County and Queen's County respectively, were established in 1556. This second main phase of county establishment was under the Tudors and James I, when it was considered to be an integral part of the reconquest of Ireland. So it's in those parts of the country which remained Irish for longest that the counties tend to be the most recent. The last of all the 32 counties to be established was Wicklow. In 1606 it was formed from parts of Dublin, Kildare and Carlow. Subsequently, the county system has remained essentially intact, though there have been some changes in county boundaries. Such changes must have been traumatic for the people involved. Deriving in part from how they were formed, the counties vary greatly in population, size and shape, and have many peculiarities. In terms of population, the counties range from only 25,000 in Leitrim to over one million in Dublin. The largest county, Cork, is more than nine times the size of the smallest, Louth. Apart from Cork and Tipperary, the largest counties tend to be along the west coast, Galway, Mayo, Donegal and Kerry. Presumably this is because these counties incorporate large tracts of mountain and bog that are only sparsely populated. The physical landscape has some influence on county layout in other ways. County boundaries sometimes lie along rivers, often minor ones. With regard to major rivers, the Lagan separates Antrim from Down. Much of Kilkenny's eastern boundary is formed by the River Barrow and its southern boundary by the Shore. Most notable of all, however, the River Shannon acts as a county divide along much of its length. It separates Clare, Galway and Roscommon to the west from other counties of Munster and of Leinster to the south and east. In this respect, the Banner County of Clare has more of its boundary clearly defined than any other county. It has the sea to the west and the Shannon Estuary and River and Loch Derg as its southern and eastern borders. While the Shannon separates counties elsewhere, its upper course, where it becomes Loch Allen, splits County Leitrim in two. This division of Leitrim into northern and southern parts has detrimental effects on life and administration, hindering travel and contact between the two separated parts of the county. As with rivers, mountain ranges can act as both boundary zones between counties and divides within counties. Much of the Cork-Kerry border lies along mountain ridges. The Carlow-Wexford boundary is the Blackstairs Mountains. Parts of Offaly and Leash are separated by the Schlieve Blooms and parts of Derry and Tyrone by the Sperrins. The most striking example of mountains as a divide within a county is Wicklow. The extensive upland mass in Wicklow isolates West Wicklow from the main centres of population and county administration in the east of the county. 
Mountain barriers add to the isolation of parts of West Donegal, as do the Mourne Mountains in the southeast of County Down. Despite some alignment of county boundaries with rivers and mountain ridges, most of them aren't obvious features, nor are they demarcated in the landscape. You might sometimes be aware of passing from one county to another by a change in the road surface. On occasion, there are signs on the roadside to welcome you to a particular county. In general, there's no logic to the county boundaries, but there are different loyalties on the two sides of these lines. Let's return to landscapes. We may have mental images or pictures that we tend to associate with certain counties. So we might think of the Meath landscape, as Podrick Collum did when he wrote in his poem A Drover, to Meath of the pastures. These mental images may relate in reality only to parts of the counties concerned. There is much more to County Antrim than the Glens and the Antrim Coast Road. Armagh as the Apple Blossom County applies only to its northern orchard area. If the limestone of the Burn jumps to mind when we think of a Clare landscape, it relates in fact only to a small part of the county. If we picture Kildare as grazing land with stud farms, we ignore the intensive arable farming south of the county, around Athai. We might think of Kerry people as living in a mountainous landscape. In reality, the bulk of the Kerry population lives on the lowlands of North Kerry, not in mountainous South Kerry and the Dingle Peninsula. One of the sharpest landscape contrasts within a county is that between East and West Galway. The predominant East Galway landscape is a flat, dry limestone land, with green fields enclosed by regular stone walls and grazed by cattle and sheep. West Galway is what we think of as Connemara, either barren lowland, in places lake strewn, or rising abruptly to mountains in the Twelve Pins and elsewhere. On the boundary between the two lies Galway City. As is sometimes the case, there are social and cultural differences associated with these different landscape types. We can imagine that the distinctiveness of these County Galway divisions was in the minds and memories of emigrants who, in a part of upstate New York, named three adjacent small towns as Galway, East Galway and West Galway. The differences within County Cork result in it being, in some respects, almost a microcosm of Ireland. Like Ireland, it's dominated by a large capital port city, surrounded by dormitory settlements. The rugged landscapes of West Cork conform with our images of the west of Ireland. The productive mixed farming areas of East Cork are more reminiscent of the east of the country. The pastoral north of the county is part of the Munster specialised dairying region. The mental images which people have of counties give rise to personal preferences. I examined this idea of preferences and mental maps with several hundred Leaving Cert students who were studying geography in Leinster schools. 
they were asked to rank the 32 counties of Ireland on a map in order of their preferences for spending a two-week summer holiday. The top six counties were, in order, Kerry, Galway, Clare, Cork, Donegal and Mayo. They're all West Coast counties. They were followed by those of the coastal southeast, together with Sligo. Presumably, these preferences result from the scenic and recreational attraction of coastal and upland Ireland, along with the cultural appeal of the West. The zone of least desirability for holidays stretched southwards from the counties of central Ulster through those of interior Leinster as far as Carlow. Because of wanting to get away from home for a holiday, Dublin was ranked last. I also looked at the residential preferences of Dublin students. This time they were asked to rank the counties according to their preferences for living in them after they finished their education. Here the position of County Dublin was reversed. The majority of students wishing to live in their home county of Dublin. The fact that it also contains the principal city added to its appeal. The adjacent coastal counties of Wicklow and Wexford were also quite highly favoured. Apart from these, the preferred counties for residents were Galway, Cork, Kerry, Limerick and Waterford. Here again, coastal and scenic attractions may have played a role, as did the existence of cities with their varied social and cultural attractions. The 11 least desired counties comprised all the Ulster counties with the exception of Donegal, together with Leitrim, Longford and Carlow. This pattern is likely to have been affected by violence in Northern Ireland at the time, together with considerations of political and cultural differences, and far less knowledge about Northern Ireland. While the zone of perceived undesirability was more marked in residential than in holiday preferences, overall there were considerable similarities between the two sets of county images. These mental maps draw our attention to differences in the distinctiveness of coastal and inland counties in our minds. Apart from the greater attraction of the coast for holidaying and living, the poor showing of inland counties in the students' preferences may have been partly related to the fact that these counties were less distinctive in their minds, less well known to them. On your own mental map of Ireland, you may be able to go around the coast, naming the counties in succession. Would you be able to name and locate the 14 inland counties as easily as the coastal ones? I suspect many of us couldn't. Do you know that Leash is the only county that isn't touched by a coastal county? At least some of these counties don't figure so prominently in people's imagination because of their inland location. Music can contribute to county identity. In traditional music, various tunes have county names and there are the distinctive musical traditions of counties such as Clare and Sligo. It's in popular and Irish country music, however, that the county looms largest. There's Beautiful Meath, Lovely Leash, Moonlight and Mayo and the homes of Donegal. Sometimes it's people from the counties concerned that are highlighted. Cavan Girl, My Lovely Rose of Clare, The Star of the County Down, 
the men of Roscommon, and the boys from the county Armagh. The association with place in song is most emotional when the emigrant is looking back to his or her native county. This is the Irish person's strong attachment to and rootedness in place, and the longing to be back home. Let's hear a few of these songs. There's one county back in Ireland I left so long ago In the province of Rivcarra It's the county of Mayo With its nature and its beauty In this peaceful land on earth It brings back some happy memories this county of my birth Those songs are about counties as whole units. In other instances, the songs we associate with particular counties are about parts of these counties. Through spatial extension, however, the song has come to be taken as representing the county. There's the banks of my own lovely Lee for Cork, the Rose of Tralee for Kerry, Schlievenamon for Tipperary, and the Rose of Mooncoin for Kilkenny. A number of compilations reflect the importance of songs about counties and songs representing counties. The two-volume album Paddy Riley's Ireland is composed of a song for each of the 32 counties, as is the more recent CD, Songs All Ireland. County songs figure on All Ireland Days. It's in the Gaelic Athletic Association that county loyalty is at its height. For many people who normally have little interest in the Gaelic Games, it's a different story when their county gets to an All-Ireland final. This extends to some Ulster Unionists travelling south to support their county in Croke Park. At All-Ireland times, the counties involved are ablaze with the county colours. It's not just the senior All-Ireland and provincial finals and semi-finals that arouse feelings. Competitions of all grades are organised on a county basis. Within counties, there are various county club championships. The dreams of so many GAA players are that their club will win the county championship and that they themselves will play for their county. 
an ambition similar to that of international representation in some other sports. Administration is on a county basis, with counties sending delegates to the Central Council and the annual Congress. Voting on major issues at Congress is by county. It's ironic that the county, imposed by Britain in the process of gaining control over Ireland, should find its strongest expression and loyalty in the Gaelic Athletic Association, an organisation so closely identified with the emergence of Irish national identity. Local newspapers, in many instances, play a part in forging county identity and consciousness. They report not just sporting events, but all county news and other content. People, in a sense, are bound together by reading the news of their county. The association of local newspapers with counties is reflected in names such as the Derry Journal, the Limerick Leader, the Longford News, the Offaly Independent and the Westmeath Examiner. While their broadcast range extends beyond an individual county to groups of counties in some instances, local radio stations now also have a role in reinforcing county identity. County names figure in titles such as Cork County Sound, Tip FM and Radio Kilkenny, or a combination of Louth and Meath in LM FM. These county titles were used, presumably, to give the stations a local identity and recognising people's place association with their county. Given that the county was introduced for administrative purposes, we might assume that it would have a major role in governance and that this would contribute much to county identity. County administrative functions had been confirmed under the Local Government Act of 1898. However, the role of county in governance has gone in Northern Ireland. There, the counties were replaced in the early 1970s by 26 district council areas as the units of local government. Fermanagh is the only county that remains intact. Many of the former county functions were transferred to organisations with responsibilities for larger areas. In the Republic of Ireland, the county remains the principal unit of local government. Yet, local government is very weak in Ireland compared with other countries. The county is administered by the elected county council. In Tipperary, however, there are two county councils which separately administer the north and south of the county. With its growth in population, County Dublin was subdivided in 1994 into three separate administrative units, Fingal, South Dublin and Dunleary Rathdown. The county councils are subject in effect to the control of central administration through the Department of the Environment and Local Government. This includes financial matters and the recruitment of senior personnel including the county manager. The councils can be suspended or abolished by law. Areas of county council responsibility include planning, public housing, water supply, sanitation, roads and traffic and motor taxation. They're also responsible for public libraries, vocational education, fire services, parks and environmental services and certain social and community functions. In some respects, the role of the county in administration has lessened over time. The financial independence of county councils 
was reduced when the levying of local taxes or rates on private housing and farmland was abolished. A major function in health was removed with the establishment of regional health boards. Some functions may well be performed more effectively and efficiently for larger areas or regions. In some respects, there's been a recent increase in the role of the county. This has followed partly from the provision of new environmental and other services by the county councils. It also results from the increased role assigned to promoting development at a local level and the formulation of county development strategies. This trend is reflected in the establishment of county enterprise boards, county development boards and county tourism committees. Some of the EU leader organisations have a county basis. Structures are being put in place to give the voluntary sector a much greater role at the county level. So it seems that in some respects greater power is now being given to the county. The administrative role of the county clearly fluctuates over time. One might expect that, overall, the county's place in people's consciousness might lessen with increasing urbanisation, regionalisation and globalisation. Nonetheless, the county has become so firmly entrenched in so many aspects of our lives and in our minds that county identity, attachment and loyalty will for long remain a major component of the Irish sense of place and space. That was Professor Desmond A. Gilmore of Trinity College Dublin with his lecture The County Designation, Identity and Loyalty from the 2002 RT Radio 1 Thomas Davis Lecture Series Engaging Spaces. Go to the Davis Now Lectures website for more information on rte.ie forward slash radio 1 forward slash Davis Now Lectures and find further Davis Now Lectures where you get your podcasts. From me, producer Cleanan Ianloon, thank you for listening. Thank you.